Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today as usual. We've got our last evening with medium events coming up in December. It is already sold out, so if you are wanting tickets for 2019, we've got them on sale at the website by sarlo.com. The dates are April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th of the new year. Those would make for a wonderful Christmas present. Yes, they would. Mm -hmm. And we have mugs as well now that go with both of the podcast shows, Coffee with the Sarlos and Sips of Sanity. They're $15. That would make a great stocking stuffer or to put stuff into to make a nice little gift. Um, And they're on the site too at bysarlo.com. Along with our gift certificates, which would also make a great Christmas (laughs) gift. To be fair, we do feel extremely honored when people choose to gift us to others. Oh, yeah. So if you are wanting to purchase gift certificates for sessions, you can do so by contacting us directly or requesting them through the website by sarlo.com. And for those who are receiving, you can experience your session from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, or telephone. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It is found at bysarlo.com only. It is not on iTunes. It's 10 minutes long. It runs the first Monday of every month from Monday to Friday. And they're 10 minutes about emotional and intuitive intelligence tools. Excellent. So we will jump right into today's show. It's a client story, Kelly. It's a gentleman who came through and a session for his wife which is medium. So he's crossed over. She's alive, obviously. She's the client. But just to clarify for everybody. um, And he asked me at the very beginning of his session, and actually even before he arrived, to get a pen and paper out and to write down a list for him that he wanted me to prepare and give to his wife. When he first asked me to do this, Kel, I thought that he was going to give this beautiful, I don't know why I thought it was going to be beautiful. But like a loving list of, I don't know, traits that he liked about her. I don't know why my head just went there. I just thought this was going to be like a love note. So you just hear, write my wife a list and you think, ooh, that that sounds like fun. Yes, I did. It turned out to be fun in a different, I don't even know if I should say that. People are going to think I'm crazy. But anyway, let's just get into it. Turned out to be fascinating. And informative. And that's, I think, partly why I want to do the show, because what he did was give me a list of the ways that he treated her and the way he behaved, followed by his explanation and his apology to her. Lovely. Yeah, it was a, it was a process. And so the other thing that I really feel was beautiful about this was that he was now following a process he completely avoided on earth. So painful, too, I would imagine. I think so when you hear the list. Yeah, well, if someone's coming through to give you a list of apologies, I'm assuming you've already experienced pain and are about to experience a little bit more of it in the need to relive in order to hear a genuine apology. Yes, and some people don't want that in a session. They don't want, they say nothing negative, but then they miss the opportunity to actually hear apologies or to heal. His name is Raymond and her name is Adele. And they had been married, I would say, most of their lives. Meaning that they aged, that this isn't a young couple that's passed over, that they're in their 70s when they, when he crosses over, I should say when he does. So I started writing out his list in the kitchen. And as I was going through my morning, when he would say something to me, 
I would go over to the pen and paper and I would write it down. When Adele arrives, and I'm going to start there. When Adele arrives and we get through the consent process, I explained to her right away that Raymond has been coming through for the morning and that he's asked me to prepare a list for her and that I had started it several hours earlier and she was excited. And I'm a little bit nervous at that point because I'm think I, I know what's on this list and I know that this isn't going to be fun for her, but now she's excited to think her husband's giving her a list of something. So that might explain why I got excited at the beginning of all of this and then it kind of deflates as I go through the listing of things with him. So she did give consent. And when I said to her, I'm just going to begin, and I'm going to try and remember to say everything to you the way that Raymond says it, she just agrees and says, okay, fine, what do you need from me? Cool. That is still very rare that clients will ask us what we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't know what to say, actually, Kelly. I don't, I'm not asked that often. So I just sat really, didn't have much of an answer and then launched into his responses and what he wanted to say to her that day. So this is how he began. I didn't listen to you. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, just write it down. So here I am writing down his list. And he says, I didn't listen to her. But he says, please write down. I didn't listen to you. He says, I want it to be direct to her, not through you. And that's exactly how I wrote the list. I didn't listen to you. I didn't even look at you. When you would talk to me, I purposely would look in other places, even if it was just past your head. She just sat there and looked at me. And I remember thinking, is she going to say anything? Is she going to acknowledge it? Doesn't matter to me if she does or not. Just remembered being calm and letting it sink in because maybe she just needed to let it sink in. This wasn't going to be about me getting affirmations if I'm right or wrong. This is just simply going to be about a client listening. He said, write down, I expressed boredom while you were talking to me. Even if truly and deeply inside of me, I knew it was exciting. I knew it was interesting. I knew it was something that another person would absolutely delight in and share with you. I purposely expressed boredom while you spoke about things that were exciting to you and to anybody. And I thought at that moment, this is going to be a list that this person, this wife is either going to really appreciate, or is going to really deny. And so in the session now, she's very, very quiet, she's not expressive. So I'm just sitting, giving Adele this list. And there's quite a list, Kelly, so I'm going to go through it. I purposely expressed terrible body language. I folded my arms. I positioned my body away from you. I looked at the TV instead of you. I looked at any screen I could find, meaning a TV screen saying that I was on Instagram. I was on Facebook. I was watching a video. I was watching a video game. He says it was a screen. He says, if I felt there was any screen around me or even the road outside the car, I'm paying attention to anything but you. And here's the kicker. I listened to every single thing you said. I listened and I stored it in my memory like a computer so that I could use it against you later 
or so that I could continue to deny things or say that you said things you didn't say. He says, I actually really listened to you. I tried to fix your problem and I purposely tried to fix it with my own opinion, even if it didn't have anything to do with who you truly were. I pointed out negativity in everything that you said. I turned everything negative. I talked over you. When you spoke to me, I leaned away from you. I gave you advice without it being asked for as often as I could. I changed the topic. I often told you what you should do by saying I recommend or you should do this. I focused on helping you with tasks versus actually listening to you, engaging with you, connecting to you, and just truly letting you express what you felt. So if you said you were sad, angry, or upset about something that happened at work, I didn't focus on your feelings. I tried to problem solve it and told you what you should do with that coworker, what you should just say to them. And my responses were totally inappropriate because it came from, you should tell her to screw off. When I knew you couldn't tell someone to screw off, but it was what I said you should do. And then I wanted to check in after you came home from work to see if you did what I said. Not because I cared about what happened, but just to find out if you actually did what I told you. Raymond said that he liked to provide answers without even listening. That he would cut her off and just give an answer. Didn't ask her questions. Didn't seek to figure out if there were different perspectives. Just wanted to give an answer to her. And then he said, and I think this was the last one, but who knows, maybe we'll have more during this talk. He said that he would ask her questions to take her off topic on purpose when she was speaking about something. So if she said she had to go to a baby shower on the weekend, he would start asking her what she was doing Friday night or where she put the um, leftovers from supper or if they were in the fridge. He just changed the subject on purpose so that she had to figure out, well, I'm supposed to answer him or I'm supposed to talk about what I'm talking about. And he wanted to see if she was actually going to answer him and he could take her off topic. When he finished saying all of this, Kelly, he said to Adele, I did all of this because of a lack of empathy. He said, I did all of this to you so that I didn't have to empathize with anything that you were feeling, anything that you were going through, trying to communicate to me, or trying to love me. I blocked every effort that you made to connect. And then I turned around and I said, I love you so that you would stay. And he said, all of this came from his lack of empathy. And so she sat and I said, Adele, are you okay? And she said, yes, I am. You can continue. And I said, do you mind if I ask if this is accurate so I know I can continue with this, with Raymond's messages? And she said, yes, you absolutely can continue. He asked me to actually discuss with her empathy. And so this is where the conversation in her session really took a turn. He said that since he had passed away, that his spirit guides had come to him 
and helped him understand where he made choices or what happened to him in life to allow this situation to occur where he didn't want to feel empathy with his own spouse. Isn't that interesting? Like you think that that's exactly the wrong thing because when you're getting married and you're dating, that's what you're creating in the dating part of the relationship is this connectivity to say, I love this person. It's what I want for the rest of my life. And he said that they had built that. I said, well, if you built that and you knew what empathy was at that time, then you weren't born that way. You're not a psychopath. And he said, that's right. I figured out I'm not a psychopath because I wasn't born without the ability in the brain to empathize with another. I found out that I became more of a sociopath, meaning that it was a learned behavior. And I said, well, when did you learn it, Raymond? When did this, when did this begin for you? And he said, in my childhood. He said, I actually sat with my spirit guides and were able to go through my past and watch where I had one parent who empathized with me and another parent who just wouldn't at all. So he had a mother who would not empathize and he had a dad who did, but the dad wasn't around enough, I'll say hours in a day or I don't know, maybe enough events in his life to be more impactful in his life than the mother's drawing away and cutting it off. So we had a little chat about that. And Adele said, I really want to hear about that. I need to understand this. I need to understand why he chose to marry me and then disconnect from me. Particularly when I spent years, decades, continually trying to connect to him. Not looking at why she would have done that, in her own life where she got that pattern but she came to understand why somebody would say that they love you but then do everything in actions that is just completely the opposite and why when you have a partner that's trying every day you would do everything within your willpower to destroy that relationship to destroy the love to destroy the connection and when she said that why would he purposely try to destroy love he stood in the room and said to me, I don't understand it either until I looked at my childhood to understand. I don't know what love is. There was, there's always a sense of confusion about it. And because I didn't want to be confused anymore, because I didn't want to be disappointed, because I didn't want to be hurt anymore by my mother, even though my father is offering it to me, I don't want to feel, I don't want to yo-yo. I don't want to be set up for something to feel good about myself or a relationship to go right in and to be hurt again and again. So his desire to not feel what his mom did to him goes right through his life, including being with another woman. And doesn't know it at the time, doesn't know it till he passes. He says he saw movies about it. He says he saw things in TV that should have triggered him. He says he could acknowledge sitting with her watching a movie at a theater or watching a TV show about psychopaths or sociopaths and understand that that could be him and sit there and feel terror that that could be him. He said, I remember watching police detective shows with my wife about psychopaths and thinking I am one. That's me. And looking at her out of the side of his eyes and being terrified. Will she figure this out? Will she know that that's me? 
But then if she just got up and got a cup of tea and sat back down beside him and said, do you want a tea or coffee? He thought, oh my God, I got away with it. And I said, how did you feel when you got away with that, Raymond? Did it make you feel safer? And he said, well, it empowered me. He says to continue to do more. And he says, but deep inside, I was terrified every day that she would figure it out that day. She would finally hear from a friend and it would click. He says that I was constantly waiting for the lights to go on and for her to know. And I said, because I don't know Adele and Raymond, I said, so did it ever happen? Or did you die with Adele? And he said, I died being married to Adele. She never chose to turn the switch on. And he said, that's why I came out with my list. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I wanted to give you a list for a couple of reasons. I wanted it for Adele so that she could take off every single thing I did to her and no longer question it. So as she goes forward to meet other people in her life, and quite possibly another partner, that she would have a checklist this time. And that she would understand those things should be on that list. And he says, ask Adele if you can do a show about it so that other people could listen to your checklist, add more to it, and be able to share it with other people. Almost like something that you could put up on Facebook or Instagram where you just say, you know, quick little checklist, Kelly. And if the, your partner is doing this to you or you're doing this to somebody else, you're with a sociopath or you're with a person who has turned off their empathy. Why are you there? Or why are you that person and not getting help? So I wanted to do the checklist with Adele. I thought it was wonderful or finally a way for him to say, here's a way that I can actually show in some way that I do love her. Um, is she showing any emotion at this point? Yeah, she is. Um, and it's very mixed, actually, Kelly. Like, quite often during it, she would just nod, she would just nod her head. Um, sometimes I could see her eyes well up. Not a sobbing, crying, just an acknowledgement that, it, that there's pain there. And as there is pain there, there is truth there. Sometimes we pause through this list. I'm saying it very quickly because it's a podcast show. But in reality, in sitting with Adele in the treatment room, we took our pauses. There were times where I just sat so that she could actually let it sink in and I could see she was having a moment. So I would just put my hands folded in my lap and just look out the window for a moment so that she just could absorb it. Did she show shame? No, I never saw her ever show shame. Okay. I didn't see that. I'm curious and I asked and I'll point it out for listeners because you can hear that long list of just disgusting ways of behaving mm -hmm. with another human being, never mind the fact that it's a partner. Mm-hmm. Or disappointing and heartbreaking list of things, however you want to label that. And we can hear it as facts and know that that person did it. And immediately internalize it to shame and think, why did I stay? Oh, that's fair. Yes, I, and I think a lot of people might listen to this today and hear maybe the whole damn list or part of it and think, oh my God, that's my partner. Mm-hmm. And instead of being able to observe and know that this is their problem mm -hmm. and I might have my own, they take 
it all on themselves and feel shame about why have I put up with it? Why have I stayed? Why did I think that was love? Mm-hmm. Well, in that particular session, I think Adele came to realize that there were two different aspects of this treatment. One being that he was coming in to say, I did these things because this is what happened with my brain. This is how it started in my childhood. This is how it developed as I went through teenage years, meeting you, where I could get away with these things at the beginning, where I was manipulative. And then once we got married, once we had the rings, once we had the paper, once we had a mortgage, bills, car payments, things that held us together, then I knew I had free reign to do anything that I wanted. And so these behaviors escalated. And that's where he says that this is a very slow process of decades where he becomes this sociopath in this relationship. It does spill out into his job. People do see changes in him, but he doesn't think anybody can. He's so confident of what he's doing and how he thinks he can turn this on and off in his brain that he doesn't understand that he actually can't and that there are people in the work environments that do see his behavior and are not pleased with it. He just chooses to believe in his own mind that they don't see it because she stays, because she constantly tries to fix. On a psychological note, I think it's important for listeners to understand that the term sociopath is being used due to probably one of the biggest symptoms being exhibiting a lack of empathy yeah. and that this is not something that was diagnosed. Right. On the diagnostic scale, a lack of empathy is one of the biggest red flags. Mm-hmm. But we're not looking for you to turn around and diagnose your partner. Right. Because and there are several several other contributing factors. Yeah, Kelly, and I want to point out here too that in no way am I the person as a practitioner here as a medium saying that I'm diagnosing him. And some people might think, well, who does Karen think she is? She's a medium. She's not a psychologist. And I'm saying correct. (laughs) And I know I'm not. He's the one that's coming through in the session saying I'm a sociopath. And this is how this is began. This is what occurred in my life. These are the things that I did and didn't do. This isn't me doing it. It's not Adele saying it. This is Raymond coming through and saying that since I've died, this is what my guides have said. This is how they've showed me these things occurred. And I was fascinated by it because he's talking about the fact that he isn't born this way. This isn't that psychopath part. This is what you get when a parent and your caregivers aren't people who are empathic and can't teach it to you. So we need to know that we have to have people around us at all ages and stages in our life that teach us empathy, that actually show empathic qualities and abilities or we can start to turn it off and turn it down too so talk to me about the apologies he apologized for not raising the children with her not connecting he apologized for being his mother he said that when you lack empathy you don't really live with the people you live with you live alone i think that's pretty profound Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's really honest. And for anybody that's in that situation, 
on either end of the stick here, this might be a really wonderful moment. Meaning both of them live alone? Yes. Yeah. Or the one that's empathic tries to connect to her children and tries to raise them with empathy, constantly fighting the other parent who's trying to kill that part of their child. So you're literally living in a home where one parent is trying to quote unquote kill the essence of the humanness in your children. Their ability to connect to each other, to their mother, to their own partners, to their own friends, to their own school teams, to society. He apologized for not being playful. She had a wonderful, playful character. She wanted that in her marriage. She wanted that in her family unit because she really believed that being playful, being curious, asking questions, being collaborative, working together was really what she thought a family was and was really what she wanted in her own unit and part of a neighborhood, part of the school, part of community, part of the city. It was just, it was her character. It's what she valued. And so she literally had to watch what she valued in her life, Adele, die every day because she chose to keep staying with him. So he apologized for slowly killing her spirit. What an incredible apology. If you truly listen to it and you truly take it in. And that is the point where Adele and I sat in silence for a while. Because it's, it's a game-changing moment in a session. It's all I feel I can do right now. Mm-hmm. Is, is sit in silence as you're saying this. Mm-hmm. There's so much to digest mm-hmm. on so many levels. Yeah. I just remembered sitting there looking out the window thinking... Raymond, why would you stay? Why would you want to watch this woman, this Adele, die? Why would you want to watch your children not be able to connect to each other or to you or to their mom? Why? And he just kept going back to his own childhood. He just kept looking at me saying, I ask myself the same question over and over again. He says, and then the beast just becomes huge. You don't ask yourself anymore. You just destroy You just sit there, you feel happy destroying. You feed the anger. Well, and I know that when you're in that sense or that mind frame, it's a power struggle so that you feel confident that something can't be taken away from you. So if he felt his own essence as a child and then witnessed his mom take it away, love was taken away, All kinds of things are taken away as part of your essence. And so you learn that I can't allow others to have something of mine or give something to me that can be taken away. So when someone else walks into your life who offers love, he's still at a risk that they could take it away at any moment. But if he destroys it first or says, no, I I won't receive, I don't accept what you're giving me, then he's still in some way in his own head, sits in a place of, you can't take away from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which in a destroyed child's mind, it makes sense. Yeah, it's protecting. Yes. He's protecting constantly. He isn't reaching out to anybody. He's in a 100% constant fight or flight mode. And that's why I said when you were describing the list, how, you know, when you can just see the adult male or the adult, I'll say, because as you're saying, it was the mother for him. 
When you see the adult, you can call it disgusting. When you see those adults as children who had all of that stripped away from them, then we can start to see it as heartbreaking. Yeah. He said to Adele Kelly that he wished that he had been single. He wished that she had left him. He wished that if she had left and cared for the kids and won in the court system, this was his perfect dream, that she would have left and that the courts would not have supported him, would have supported the healthy parent in this situation, would have allowed her full custody, would have told him it had to be supervised, would have forced counseling on him. It's like he had no way to be responsible and wanted it all forced on him through a system. But that's his dead man dream. That wasn't the human saying, Mm -hmm. this is what I wanted and never happened. He's saying with perspective, this is what should have happened. Yeah. And then next step after that, because he could keep going through the session. I wished that I could have gotten help younger. I wished. And so he could hear the regret. So he could, she could finally hear that there was some acknowledgement and regret. Which would be important because you're hearing probably for the first time someone honestly tell you, you have not been loved. That was not love. And in the same session, you're also hearing, but he loves you now. Yeah. And he can do a better job of it. And I can't even count how many times I've said this to clients. They can do a better job loving you from the other side now. Yeah. And they now want you to find the person who really does truly love to come to you to experience that together. So he truly wants her to move on and have another partner who is capable and who offers her all of the things she can be so she truly can be herself with another person. That's his wish for her now. She didn't come for consent for that. She wasn't looking for his permission, by the way. He just expresses it voluntarily, that he wishes that because that's where his heart is now, where his emotions, where his intellect can be. Who booked the session? Who paid for it? Adele. What a wonderful gift she gave herself that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think on so many levels to walk out the door and to hear all of that. She recorded it. She wrote notes. Mm -hmm, I hope so. Because then you can walk out pull up your socks or your big girl panties and feel like, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And in a lifetime of having that confidence and your own thoughts stripped from yourself, that may be the first time that she can pull up the socks and the big girl panties and feel, feel like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And I, I'm really hoping that people who don't have a spouse that has died who haven't already gone through what Adele has gone through and booked an appointment with a medium and have worked through a process like this with a spouse who's crossed over, whether it's male or female, be able to listen to this if they're sitting in the middle of this shit storm and be able to say, wow, I think the part that I heard the most is what he wished for her, that she had left, that she had turned her own switch on, that she wasn't waiting for him to do his waking up first to give her permission to actually have a life with somebody who's empathic, who actually chooses to connect to her. You can't say you love somebody and not be an empath. You can't. But for someone listening to this, to sit down and go, okay, there are the truth bombs. 
for me, one of the biggest things I think people choose not to hear is that the person who can't or isn't displaying empathy knows what they're doing. I think we lie to ourselves over and over again and excuse them by saying they don't know what they're doing. And you're hearing that he gave her the little sideways glance of, oh shit, is she going to figure it out today? Oh shit, is she going to get her head on straight? And I I read in one of Nina Brown's books, this actually took a long time to mention an author in this podcast, (laughs) but in one of Nina's books, they're talking about that when a partner exhibits jealousy or extreme anger, and that can be jealousy over a partner or over your lifestyle, the part of your lifestyle that doesn't include the partner, that the jealousy comes from an inner knowing that that person deserves better than what they're giving you. Hmm. What book is that? I believe it's called Coping with Your Jealous Partner. Okay. Just so that people can go and find that if, mm-hmm. if it's resonating with them right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to hear it, you need to be able to look at one sentence from a, a couple different angles. It's not spelled out exactly the way that I've said it. But if you can understand the basis of the emotions and know that they know what they're doing, we can't sit in denial anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, that's such a key thing about sessions with mediums is that that is, I think, one of the things that clients can come to seek. How do I come out of my cloud? How do I come out of the bubble of what I've been thinking or believing? Or do they actually know what they did to me? I'm sitting here. Adele was sitting there wanting to know, okay, I've lived my life this way. Is he now finally going to acknowledge it? And I remember sitting at that point with Adele and saying, oh, so you already knew all of this the whole time that you were in the marriage. You came here after he passed to actually hear him acknowledge it. You were looking for his acknowledgement, but you already knew all along. And she said, well, yeah. So there's the other aspect of it, Kelly, are the partners who do know all of that all the way through the marriage for decades and stay knowing Mm -hmm. and they do for many reasons right you spend decades like you're saying of being invalidated you start to believe on some level or in some aspect of your life that you are a little bit crazy or that your reality isn't something that you can trust and so yeah you need someone to spell it out for you in that list sometimes and say you were right about you were right about yeah, and I think there are some couples who look at other couples and say, I'm lucky. This isn't as this isn't as bad as the, the person who's getting punched. This isn't as bad as the person whose husband, da-da-da, fill in the blank. So you start playing the comparison game to keep yourself where you are instead of just looking at your own reality and saying, hey, if I just look at it as what it is, and know that I'm not happy in it and know that there's better out there. I don't I don't focus on the couples that actually love each other and are good examples. I focus on the negativity of couples that aren't as good as I am so I can stay where I am. Which is what Adele did to keep her there. So she was able to recognize in those moments, this is what I did, I would say. And she said it right in the treatment. Well, you know, our marriage wasn't as bad as my brothers and his wife, you know, they fought, they screamed. We didn't fight and scream. No, he just ignored you like you didn't exist. He talked over you, blah, blah, blah. 
I think this is why this list was so important, Kelly, because some people would take that list and just disregard it and think it's not the punching, holding a knife to your throat, strangling you, uh, throwing you down the stairs kind of list. So if it's not that list, well, you know, it's not that bad. There's worse. So they, they compare it that way instead of, well, there's a whole lot better out there too. And out there can mean yourself. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to wait to see the partner or find the partner or believe that there even is one. It could be the thought of, I can give myself better. <laughs> yeah. Which Adele is now currently learning because she's actually going through a period of years of being on her own and knowing what that is now. Oh, good for her. So she's actually sitting in it. She's not looking for a partner. She doesn't want to date. She has no intention of it right now. She's sitting in her own space saying, hey, this is what I've been through. This is why I came today. I wanted to know if he got to this place of finally understanding what our marriage was, if there was going to be any acknowledgement, any apology, any anything here um, to help me with my process. So she's taking her time in a process instead of, I'm out of that relationship and I got to find another one quick. Don't know what it's going to look like. Just got to get into something, which is great. Her conversation switched to some of the universal laws at this point. And one of the things that came up for Adele was that she was now starting to understand the universal law of process. And that she just kind of giggled and sat back and said, yeah, just very kindly. And one of the things that he acknowledged in her is that she's always been a kind person to others, but that she was now figuring out how to be kind to herself. And that is part of the universal law of process is figuring out how to be kind to oneself and setting those boundaries with other people. When you know what your own kindness looks like, I deserve to be listened to, not talked over, not interrupted. So if someone's going to do any of those things to me, I will be kind enough to myself to disengage with that person. I will set a boundary and not allow it. I can walk away. I can come back and talk another day. If they constantly do it to me, I can find other people to be in my life. Whatever. She was looking for choices now. But that can come when you actually slow yourself down and give yourself the time. It was lovely because she was starting to value the time of her life instead of not seeing choices or valuing it and just letting it pass her by. Filling it up with things that were unkind and abusive. So she's now in a lovely part of her journey, lovely part of her life. Well, and hopefully her story can help get others there as well. I hope so. Uh, and, and I know that in very many books that we've suggested on these shows with so many different authors, that those books have this type of list. Her, his list wasn't unique by a long shot. Piles of psychologists have written lists like this for people to be able to check off to understand what type of relationship they're in, whether it's healthy or not. And that's why we refer people to the book so often. So I hope people will use that as a tool if this show spoke to them today. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.